Hi, this is Fabrice Surgeon from Benzintown. You're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with my friend Jay Gilbert and Mike Hitchens. Weekly music news for the new music business. For music industry blog, music subscriber market shares of 2023. From Symphonic, the ultimate guide for musicians to have a kick-ass year in 2024. And from Stereo Gum, Record Store Day 2024 release list revealed. And oh my God, you talk about some amazing wow, stuff on that what a list. list. What a list. Well, this and so much more we're going to cover today on the podcast, and we're going to get this party going right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London Calling. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. On the air. Your morning coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Well, Jay, good to see you, my brother, this oh, morning here good on to a see Saturday you too. for us. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Love that uh, that little audio intro. Yeah, Fabrice, uh, um, Surgeon, uh, over at uh, Bands in Town. Um, re- they had some really big news this last week. You know, they're um, they're partnering with uh, Spotify, and uh, I I talked to Fabrice uh, this week about this big news. Um, let's uh, let him tell us about it. Fabrice, good to see you again. Hey, Jay, good to see you too. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, exciting headline this week. Uh, the headline was. Spotify partners with bands in town to boost live music discovery. So in other words, for the first time, tour dates posted on bands in town also appear on Spotify. Tell us about the big news. Jay, now 600,000 artists which created an account on bands in town for artists can list and expose their tour dates automatically on Spotify. That means more opportunities to sell out shows it also means more opportunities for small artists to get noticed or discovered. It means more opportunities for artists in different geographies where Spotify has a presence to list their shows on that platform by simply creating an account on Benzintown for Artists. Yeah, that's, that's super exciting. Congratulations on the announcement. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those tour dates pop up from Benzintown onto Spotify. This collaboration integrates bands in town event listings directly into Spotify, connecting artists with Spotify's 602 million monthly active users, 
while they listen and providing them with a new avenue to discover upcoming shows. Yeah, the partnership comes at a really, it, it's a crucial time for live uh, live music in general, which is facing increased competition, rising costs. And according to Bands in Town data, the number of concerts rose by 150,000 in 2023 compared to the previous year. So this surge, coupled with the rising costs, you know, it poses challenges for artists, venues that are struggling to reach their target audience. Uh, speaking of Spotify, Jay, Spotify's layoffs put an end to musical to a musical encyclopedia and fans are pissed. This is a New York Times <laughs> article about the website Every Noise. In December, 17% of Spotify employees found out they had been laid off in the company's third round of job cuts last year. Not long after, music fans around the world realized that the cult favorite website Every Noise at Once, also known as Every Noise, an encyclopedic goldmine for music discovery had stopped working. Yeah, we've talked about that site. We love that site, you know, and, and these two events were not disconnected. Spotify data alchemist Glenn McDonald, he created Every Noise. He was one of the 1,500 employees who was let go in December, but his layoff had wider reaching implications, right? Now that McDonald doesn't have access to the internal Spotify data, he can no longer maintain every noise, which became a pivotal resource for most of the, uh, these obsessive fans like us to track new releases and genres and learn more about the music that they love. Right. He said the project is to understand the communities of listening that exist in the world, figure out what they're called, what artists are in them, and what their audiences are. That's McDonald told TechCrunch. The goal is to use math where you can find real things that exist in listening patterns. So I think about it as trying to help global music self-organize. Yeah, I hope this thing doesn't go away. It's such a wonderful yeah. resource, just a great site to go to. Um, so fingers crossed that we can... Uh, keep that going. There was another um, really great newsletter from Glenn Peoples, you know, his ledger, um, which I encourage people to subscribe to. But uh, you and I were talking about brands that pivot and this is so perfect. The, the headline for Glenn Peoples article was how the Marshall group plan to grow its share of the 100 billion music tech market. And what was surprising to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, was that, you know, we all know what Marshall amps are. I mean, you and I growing up, I don't know if we saw a band live that didn't have a stack of these beautiful amps behind them with that Marshall, that classic Marshall logo, right? So you would think that would, that would be a big part of their business. But according to Glenn in this article, only 5% of their revenue today comes from amplifiers. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, and I, I remember when I was doing the Sound and Vision radio show for the magazine, I remember seeing the Marshall, the first round of Marshall kind of consumer electronics things. And, and they were headphones, kind of when that whole, you know, onslaught of headphones came out. Yeah. I remember thinking, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, who wants a, you know, and of course, how incorrect I was. And uh, as I mentioned, I interviewed Jim back in the day, just kind of at the end of his life. But I think his kids now have taken it over and they have done a deal with whoever, whoever that uh, company is that does the, the 
creation of these consumer electronic products. And I think they've taken a, an equity share in the company, but they have, they're killing it, yeah. you know? And like you said, it's so important for any company uh, to pivot or to always be aware that you have to keep moving and have yeah. to keep changing oftentimes. And the markets change and shift and you can't do business like you used to. And, and yeah. good for them. Yeah, <laughs> wow. that was really cool. Um, last week we mentioned uh, a company called Symphony OS and that's mm-hmm. because they partnered with CD Baby. Um, and this is really interesting. They're, they're giving like 2 million artists these AI-powered uh, marketing tools. So I spoke to Meg Vacaria from Symphony OS this last week about the partnership. Listen, listen to this conversation. Tell us about Symphony OS and how you use AI. Yeah, for sure. So what we're building with Symphony OS is all the tools an artist, a creative, or even a small business can use to automate the marketing and grow. Um, what we kind of realized, my background for the last seven years has been uh, in music marketing, primarily for major labels and major label artists. And before that, I was a computer science kid. So I kind of came into music as like a tech nerd. Um, intern at Hulu on their personalization team as well. So we kind of saw what big tech was using AI for and then machine learning and things like that. And they came into music and I realized, oh, um, in 2016, um, no one really knew or had a grasp on how to use their data. And so I was always over the years, like that one tech guy with my team in these rooms, like trying to explain to managers like, oh, this is what Facebook ads are. This is what Google Analytics can be used for, you know? And over the years, what we kind of realized um, as we worked with more and more artists and teams and managers, the industry has a lot of data and everything has kind of moved into this very, very digital first kind of realm. Um, and what we realized is that the data was very much all over the place, right? Like artists might have, that. obviously they have the streaming platforms, they have the social media platforms, they have a separate link in bio, they might have a separate tool for the email, phone number list, a separate tool for the merchandise. It's just a lot of data out there. Um, and data, for the sake of data, is great. But if you can go combine all that data into one place, you can really learn a lot about an artist's fan base or audience. And so that's kind of what Symphony started off as. It, it was really a, a centralization of all these different discrete data points that an artist may have around them. And then what we started doing was building tools to analyze that data and then take that analysis and put it directly into action on platforms like Instagram ads, YouTube ads, TikTok ads. And so this was all like just work we were doing by hand for the longest time. And we were just like, all right, if we're doing it by hand, we can automate it. So around 2019, I started hacking together like the early ugly version of Symphony, um, you know, started working. And then in 2021, we kind of took it and wanted to really democratize it. You know, wanted to give every artist, every kid at home that's dropping a song or a manager that has an early stage artist, these same tools that we're using on behalf of major labels. Um, so Symphony is just trying to democratize all of these insights and learnings around fan base growth and audience growth and even business growth um, and give, give it away kind of for a very affordable cost to the next generation. Nice. So it sounds like you're really aggregating all these different data points, but more than that, you're sort of making it actionable. And so, uh, you know, just an artist or a manager or a label can take that and actually use it to help grow their audience. Hundred percent. It's like I think about like you know we're building the marketing Legos, right? An artist might want to pre-save. Well, that's one Lego in Symphony's Lego box. There's um, you know link in bio. There's fan base insights. There's ads. You know, it's just like if we could just build the best set of Legos to start off with. Um, hopefully, we can have uh, folks creating the best rollout they can, and also being more informed about their audience throughout that rollout. Mm. 
Yeah, hence the name Symphony. Um, so Symphony OS recently announced a partnership with CD Baby. Tell us about that. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we've been in the game long enough to kind of see this new world of amazing distributors pop up, you know, for the last like three to five years. Um, and CD Baby obviously is a legend, right? They've been in the game longer than a lot of distributors. Their name is CD Baby. So they've been, you know, seen <laughs> the world through different eras and music especially. Um, but yeah, great folks over there. For us, what we're looking for and what we're kind of building out is really something that hopefully works with any artist, any creative across the board. And as we're growing out, what we're really looking for is, is partners that understand that vision about empowering artists, empowering the independents at home. Um, and CD Baby totally got that. They totally got the vision. They're one of the first folks we spoke with like early last year and just built a really good relationship with their team over there. Um, the intention really is, you know, as a tool set, we're very focused on this problem around marketing and fan base growth. We're not in the distribution space. We're not the finance guys. You know, there's amazing companies on those sides. Um, so someone like CD Baby is, is a great partner because we're hoping to empower their amazing tool set that they built out, very much focused on distribution, finance, things like that, um, and give those artists marketing superpowers through what we're building out. Um, so very excited. You know, the partnership just kicked off like a week or two ago, but I'm excited to continue building with them and hopefully help you know, a million more artists throughout our tool set. Yeah, thanks, Meg, for clearing all that up for us. We really appreciate it. Continued success. Keep in touch. I'd like to see how you guys are doing. Appreciate you, bud. Have a good day. So Symphony OS originated from Integral Studio, an agency founded by Chucka Chase and Meg Vicaria in 2016. Uh, initially building websites for artists like SZA and Travis Scott, the agency expanded into merchandise and digital marketing, gaining insights into fan interactions. About 2 million artists and creators stand to benefit from the partnership. CD Baby, of course, is owned by Downtown Music Holdings. Yeah, pretty cool partnership there. Um, yeah. Another thing in the news this last week that you and I thought was really interesting is this uh this band stick figure uh and their announcement so thomas cousins uh from ineffable music group who we talk about sometimes you know he shared a story with us about the band stick figure they announced recently that if you go to the show uh or you can't go to the show for any reason stick figure will refund your ticket up to 10 days before the show at each of these headlining shows Right. So from the band's Instagram, it says, with our summer tour going on sale, we have some important news to share about our new ticketing policies. Traditionally, ticketing companies don't offer refunds, and that's not fair. Uh, they said, we believe in looking out for our fans and understand that life can be unpredictable. That's why for this tour, we're thrilled to announce that if you can't go to the show for any reason, Stick Figure will refund your ticket up until 10 days before the show at each of these headlining shows. I like that. That is like really cool. And, and that happened to me not long ago where I had planned on going to the show. I really wanted to see the show, but then I had to go to New York uh, for business. Mm -hmm. And I was, they were expensive, right? So, you know, <laughs> right. I was I was sort of trapped. Um, thankfully, uh, a friend of mine helped me out. But uh, I thought that was a really cool uh, development. And before we jump into uh, the stories, you and I were sharing a couple of music videos with each other this week that are wow. just stunning. And the reason they're stunning is because they use AI. And we covered that Paul McCartney video a while back where they used AI to have a younger version of Paul sing the song. But it didn't quite look realistic. Well, 
two, two videos. One, the Dandy Warhols, I'd like to help you with your problem. And that features Slash. That one is just cinematic and it uses AI in a really interesting way. But what did you think of the Billy Joel turn the lights back on that used like all these different versions of Billy Joel over the years singing his new song? It was unreal. And I got to say, you know, you think back to like that, in, uh, as you mentioned, that McCartney video, and that's probably four years ago, yeah, I want to say. I think that's about right. And then around the same time, The Irishman came out. Uh, that was the on, on Netflix, the movie where they they went uh, like De Niro and they 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 went back in time. And so, you know, you, you it, it got a little bit better for that. And then when you watch this Billy Joel one, it is unreal. So it's it's very close ups of him singing his new song and they intersperse uh, what Billy Joel looked like in the late 70s and then in the early 80s mm-hmm. and then sort of late 80s, early 90s. And it is impeccable. It looks I mean, it is really stunning. good. Yeah. It is frighteningly good. Yeah. And wow, I, I would love to know the backstory of, you know, how, how it works and how they did that. And it, it, it's just remarkable. Yeah. And, and the Dandy Warhols thing was, as you said, it was so cinematic and dramatic and kind of dystopian. It's definitely worth checking both of those out. Yeah. For our, for our listeners, it, the, once again, it's the Dandy Warhols. The, the song is I'd Like to Help You With Your Problem featuring Slash from Guns N' Roses. Uh, watch that video. It's amazing. And the other one, Billy Joel, Turn the Lights Back On. Uh, highly recommend those two. And I'll put that in the, in, in the show notes so people can kind of just uh, grab a link. Awesome. And uh, before we start, Jay, let's talk about our sponsors because, man, they help us do the boogie every week. Uh, yep. uh, our podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Over 20 years, Banzoogle has made it easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music. Now they've added a brand new EPK plan so that musicians can create professional single-page electronic press kit in minutes. All the features you need to design an EPK are already built in, including fully customizable templates, preset EPK page layouts, music players, images, text bio, and video embeds, a gig calendar and press quotes, and access to Banzoogle's award-winning support team seven days a week. The new EPK plan starts at just $6.95 per month, and your morning coffee podcast listeners can go to Banzoogle.com to try it free for 30 days, then use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEEPK, all one word, to get 10% off the first year of the new EPK plan subscription. That's Banzoogle.com, promo code MORNINGCOFFEEPK when you sign up for the EPK plan. Yes, sir, and we also like to thank HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. Indeed, Bands in Town, over 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist service platform connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates 
across all platforms. Yeah, and finally, Music Business Association. Uh, we've got the Music Biz Conference coming up, and it creates the rooms in which the important conversations that shape the future of the music industry take place. It represents more than 90% of the industry at large. The association serves as a connective tissue for the global music business and provides a trusted forum where ideas and collaborations can flourish. So join me uh, at the Music Biz 2024 conference, May 13th through the 16th in Nashville. I'll be moderating a panel with some very smart music marketers. Indeed. So big thanks to Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. We are so appreciative of their support. Uh, by the way, I get to do the show every week with my good friend Jay Gilbert. He is a music industry consultant. He's the curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter, a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and Warner Music Groups. And as I always say, he is a digital music ninja. <laughs> Ninja. I like that. And uh, my brother from another mother sitting over here is Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, Universal Music. And I promise you, he is not created with artificial intelligence. <laughs> Although it's a very attractive proposition, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, as I look at myself in the mirror and I look at the, what you can do with the AI, AI Perhaps I will come around, Jay. Right. But let's jump into the stories. Uh, the first one is from Music, from Music Industry Blog. Music subscriber market shares of 2023. This is by uh, Stephen McClellan over at Midia. Uh, with, Warner, with UMG leading the charge to reshape the music industry into a more label-friendly form, 2023 may, with hindsight, go down as the year before everything changed. Whatever lies ahead, though, new models will take time to deliver benefits. Music subscriptions are therefore going to remain the bedrock of music right holder revenues for the foreseeable future. So it is a good thing that music subscriptions had such a good year in 2023. Yeah, they sure did. As of Q3 2023, there were 713 million music subscribers globally, which was 90 million up from the 623 million a year earlier in Q3 2022. This matters for two reasons. Number one, we are already nearly three quarters of the way to having one billion music subscribers globally. That's billion with a B. That is no small achievement. For context, as recently as five years ago, we had just passed the quarter of a billion subscriber mark. Right. So number two, the 90 million subscribers added in the 12 months to Q3 of 2023 was more Yes, more than the 83.5 million added just one year earlier. In fact, the number added was nearly as many as those added in 2020 altogether. Not bad for a maturing category with key markets hitting near saturation. Yeah, however, there is a bit of a problem with looking at the global market. It's increasingly, increasingly no longer a global market, but instead one of two halves, the West and the global south, with each region throwing off dramatically different metrics and growth narratives. Nowhere is this better illustrated than in the market share rankings. Right. So Spotify dominated the global music subscriber base in Q3 2023 with a 31.7% market share. 
More than that, it actually increased its share from 0.4 points from Q3 of 2022. So for all the flack Spotify has thrown at it, it outgrew the market in 2023. Newer emerging market territories were central to this growth, but it was Spotify's traditional heartland, which of course is North America and Europe, that drove the majority, almost 60% of its subscriber growth. Compare and contrast this with the all DSP picture where North America and Europe drove just 29% of subscriber growth with Asia Pacific accounting for nearly two thirds of all non-Western subscriber growth. Interesting. Uh, China, uh, a market in which only Apple of the Western DSP uh, operates, underpins this non-Western growth. And the clearest manifestation of this is Tencent Music Entertainment. And we talk about them quite a bit. With over 102 million subscribers in Q3 2023, Tencent represents 14.4% of all global subscribers. Despite the being, you know, effectively China-only number, NetEase Cloud Music Uh, 6.1% share in China only, and a company called Yandex, which is 3.4% share in Russia only, further represent the dynamic growth from regions where Western DSPs largely don't operate. This is the new bifurcated nature of the global music subscriber market. Right. So Apple Music, 12.6%, Amazon Music, a little over 11%, and YouTube Music, almost 10%, represent the remainder of the leading Western DSP pack. Along with Spotify, these three DSPs represent 65% of the global market, but only 59% of the 2023 growth. Western DSPs are still the core of the market, but they are collectively losing share. But even within these these four, there is a, a diverging picture with YouTube Music and Spotify gaining share in 2023, while Amazon and Apple actually lost share. Mm. Uh, between Q3 of 2022 and Q3 of 2023, Spotify added more subscribers than all three other leading Western DSPs combined. That's wow. That's a pretty impressive stat. Yeah. That is a big stat. Um, In 2023, it was really a strong year for music subscriptions, delivering more growth than perhaps had been expected, you know, in these challenging macroeconomic and geopolitical times, you know, even North America and Europe grew slightly faster in 2023 than they did in 2022. But as commendable as squeezing more growth out of otherwise mature markets is, the inescapable paradigm shift is the emergence of the global South as the growth driver of tomorrow's music subscriber base. So what a great piece um, on these market shares, you know, because they change so often. And that was done again by uh, Stephen McClellan over at Midia. Fantastic piece. Yeah. And of course, and it is basically, uh, you know, it's it's just such a, an international market now. And we're seeing... You know, the dominance, which historically has been basically the U.S. and Europe, uh, just kind of it's it's widely expanding beyond that. So it's just it's really interesting. Our next story, by the way, Jay, is from Symphonic, the ultimate guide to, for musicians to have a kick-ass year 2024. <laughs> Don't we all need a kick-ass year this year? Yeah. Uh, some of the highlights were revisiting your brand. And they go on to say the first thing you can do is look over your current branding and analyze what could be done better. Think about what your branding represents. What do you stand for? Why is your branding the way it is? Your branding is an extension of you. Take time to revisit who your target is meant to be and how you want to be perceived. Then make changes to 
to realign your efforts. Good advice for sure. There's a lot of great advice in here. And this is an annual uh, guide that Symphonic puts out. And uh, it's it's always so useful. It's one of those things you print out and have on your desk and refer to it. And we're just going to give you some of the highlights. I highly recommend that you download this. There's a link in your morning coffee. Um, download this thing. It's, it's really interesting. Another area that we're just going to touch on really quickly that they touch on uh, a little more deeply is metadata. And metadata includes information like artist, genre, label, song title, album, you know, track number, ISRC code, all of that stuff. There are really three types of metadata that you need to know about, and they explain it in this guide. One is descriptive metadata, then ownership slash performing rights metadata, and then recommendation metadata. Well, we've talked many times about how unsexy uh, metadata can be to some. <laughs> to me, it's very unsexy to you. It's quite sexy, actually. But it is crucial. <laughs> it is. Super crucial. They also talk about TikTok, a little company you may have heard of. Uh, driven by machine learning and a technical algorithm, TikTok thrives on data and metrics. If you want to improve your content's performance, understanding your profile's detailed analytics is the first step. There's some great online tools and dedicated to, dedicated to helping you access just this, including uh, Symphonic's TikTok analytics feature in their uh, SMS. Yeah. Uh, the next point that they bring up is lyric distribution. And, and they state that lyrics help foster an intimate connection with your fans. Absolutely. You know, that's why having them available on platforms like Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook is crucial. The more content you can provide to your audience, the deeper they can connect with you and your work. Right. They also talk about how to maximize your back catalog while working on new releases, which indeed is a very tricky thing to do. Uh, Bandcamp, of course, is one of the largest remaining download stores out there. If you have a lot of catalog, throw it on there. It's a great way for you to create bundles and get download revenue directly from consumers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another way to maximize your back catalog, they talk about voice strategy. 71% of cons consumers prefer to conduct queries by voice instead of typing. What they're using it for most? Listening to music. As a musician, it's important to be aware of that shift and the shift to come and have a voice strategy ready to go. By the way, that 71% of consumers prefer to conduct queries by voice. I, that blew me away when yeah. I read that. I'm like, yeah. really? Wow. I guess that's a demographic thing because I still just type it in. But yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. Uh, they also talk about neighboring rights. Neighboring rights refer to the right to publicly perform or broadcast a sound recording. They are called neighboring rights because they are said to be related to performance rights in the field of music publishing or the right to publicly perform a music musical composition. So always important to keep an, yeah. eye, an eye on what's going there. Yeah. I mean, the concept of neighboring rights is similar to that of performance rights because both kinds of royalties are earned through public performances, broadcasts of music. The difference is performance rights refer to the right to publicly perform the musical composition and neighboring rights refer to the right to publicly perform the sound recording. So the these are some things that they explain in this guide to sort of as a refresher course. 
Right. So sound recording owners, which are, of course, record labels and performing artists, collect neighboring rights royalties whenever their sound recordings are publicly performed on satellite radio, such as Sirius XM, internet radio, such as Pandora, BBC, and cable TV music channels, TV outside of the U.S., terrestrial radio outside of the U.S., and much more. Super yeah. important stuff to know yep. about. Very important stuff. Another section in this guide, which I thought was really, really well done, is headlined managing your music rights and collecting every cent it's earning. So here they tackle every aspect of rights management, things like publishing, uh, register back catalog, sound exchange, YouTube content ID, and sync licensing. Right. They also talk about best practices for releasing music. They go on to say, when you finally release your latest masterpiece, make sure you're ready for whatever comes your way. The best way to ensure your release is success is to plan for everything and do it way in advance. At the very minimum, make sure you focus on these best practices for maximum release potential. Okay, so best practices. Here's the first one. Have a clear idea of when you'll have your mastered audio and track or album art in hand before selecting a release date. Sometimes unexpected things come up in the production process, and you want to give yourself ample time to set everything up properly. They also recommend that staying on cycle, um, meaning releasing on Friday street dates, this will increase the likelihood of playlist placement, for example. Sure. Uh, the required lead time is no less than four weeks. Six weeks is ideal for delivery of release and marketing driver. This gives your distributor time to ingest and approve releases, DSPs time to receive them, and playlist editors time to receive uh, pitches and marinate with a release before deciding whether or not to feature or place it on playlists. Right. And you just mentioned marketing drivers, and we hear about that term a lot. So let's back up a sec. What are marketing drivers? Well, they're the underlying forces that compel you to buy or pay for a certain product or service. As an artist, these are key details that you want shared with DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pandora, etc. to help you stand out. The more details that you can provide, the better chance you've got of catching the eyes and ears of people who can get you playlisted, featured, marketing programs, etc. So, right. So these drivers include things like music videos, social media followers and engagement, third-party Spotify playlists, previous DSP playlist placements and features, advertising to be run for this release, premieres on media outlets and general press pickups, radio campaigns or plays from direct DJ relationships and other DJ support, tour dates and other uh, POI, shared stages with notable festival appearances, etc. Mm. Charting, like iTunes, Billboard, etc., brand and media partnerships, other marketing campaigns, wild posting, prints, etc. Uh, don't forget pre-save and pre-sale campaign data. That's for iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, and others. And sync and other licensing information, other developments, uh, management, booking agent, TV, film appearances, etc. It's a lot of stuff, man. It to, really to make is. Make sure you are lined up and aligned with. And you know, who among us hasn't really tried to kind of push all of these timelines when you were behind the eight ball? Right. And it's it rarely works out well. That's right. And you don't have to you know memorize all these things as we're telling you about them. You know from this amazing guide uh, from Symphonic, if I can spit it out. Um, 
there are a lot of best practices in this guide. And again, we highly encourage you to, to download this thing um, and save it. They have other release music, um, releasing music best practices, things like video strategy, social media strategy, you know, best practices for getting on playlists. But, but more importantly, also, you know, taking care of yourself. We've talked about that for sure, yeah. the importance of sort of your mental health. Uh, and having a, you know, having a thorough strategy planned out for the year will help you reach your goals in no time. Knowing exactly what you need to do will help you decide what's working and what isn't as you go along. The key is always be open and never stop learning. And uh, in addition, nobody does this thing alone, Jay. Don't be afraid to ask for help because, and we've talked about this as well, which is it's super hard to do all of these things well by yourself. It just, you know, you don't, don't be shy. Although all of this can be stressful at times, make sure you're allocating yourself time to enjoy the process. Being a musician is one of the most fun jobs there is. Believe in yourself, work hard, and everything will fall into place. Yeah. What, what we great hope. advice. I mean, there are mental yeah. health implications to trying to do all of this stuff. I mean, we, we spoke with Ryan Dusick, who used to be in uh, Maroon 5, and he sort mm-hmm. of had a breakdown on the road years and years ago and went back and got his degree and is now is a licensed therapist helping people. Um, when you try to do too much, and today, you know, we, you have, you know, we, socials, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you got things like YouTube and TikTok, and then you got to write, record and tour. And it's, it's a lot and you need a team surrounding you. But, uh, I highly recommend that you download this guide from Symphonic. Um, lots of great, uh, best practices and advice in there. And by the way, Symphonic does so many great resources like that. I don't know who you you've been you've been to their offices. I have not. Yeah. They must have a team of writers that are doing these wonderful guides and all kinds of stuff. It's just such wonderful, useful information. They it is. They got it going on over there. Well, they've got multiple offices. The one that I visit is in the Roy Orbison building uh, in Nashville. And that's the one that uh, Randall Foster and uh, Michael Burroughs and the great people over there uh, work out of. Um, but uh, they have they have quite the team, and one of the things that impresses me most is you know with their blog they're always trying to educate people you know what mm-hmm. what are these best practices and and I put them in your morning coffee when they come out so um, check out the uh, Symphonic blog when you get a chance really good stuff yeah a lot of work goes into that it's super valuable information our last uh, story Jay is from Stereo Gum Record Store Day 2024 release list revealed and I printed <laughs> it out it's nine pages oh <laughs> it my is gosh. unbelievable the amount of awesome releases and talk a little bit about it because I didn't know about this you talked about how these these titles actually get a- yeah. approved essentially well there's let's Take a look at Record Store Day. And if you if you don't know, there's typically two Record Store Days every year. Um, this one coming up April 20th. Um, and then there's the Black Friday one we talk about. And they're just, they're wonderful. Um, and I can't wait. And you look at this list, and we can go through some of our favorites uh, in a moment. But I was explaining to you earlier that sort of the process, if you have a release that you want to be included on Record Store Day, um, they have a form that you fill out, and that goes over to the great team, you know, Michael Kurtz and his team, and they have a uh, committee, and they look through these submissions, and they say, yeah, we, we would like to have that. And whether it's on vinyl, cassette, CD, 
CD, whatever, and they put a number and they say, oh, I think we need X amount of units of that to cover all of these stores. And uh, you deliver it by a certain date. And uh, it's typically an exclusive. Um, I've got a, a title uh, this year from one of my clients, uh, Ann Wilson from Heart. She has a band called Trip Sitter, and they're amazing. And they mm -hmm. did this live performance. And we're giving the vinyl as an exclusive to Record Store Day on 420th. It's Ann Wilson and Trip Sitter Live. And it's fantastic. She does some of her solo stuff and she does some heart stuff. And it's just amazing. But I wanted to, you, you and I were sort of looking at this list and it's, it's, it's overwhelming, <laughs> it's really, overwhelming. Yes. you know, yes. and it's developing artists all the way to artists like the Beatles. It's everything in between. And there's something for everyone, every genre, every mood. Find out, you can go to Record Store Day's website and see the participating stores. But man, on April 20th, get there early and make a day of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking down the list. I love the 1975. There's a live record from Interscope coming out, some uh, catalog stuff from Cannonball Adderley, live shows back in the late 60s, early 70s, a live thing from Average White Band in 74. Uh, Brother Jack McDuff, great Hammond organ player. Uh, it's just a reissue. A lot of stuff from Nat King Cole, some live stuff of his back from when he was in Chicago. I mean, the, the, the list is just overwhelming. <laughs> and it's just when you kind of check off the, the, the immediate things you're interested in, you've already got like 20 or 25 things that you're like, okay, I want to get that. I want to get that. I want to get that. I, yeah. get that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. What, what else kind of tickled your uh, funny bone on this, on, on this list? Well, there was that, that Beatles thing where it's these three inch discs and this little, little player that I thought was really interesting. Um, I thought it was just such a cool item. And then there's things, you know, like these legendary bands, you know, like the Grateful Dead. And, you know, there's some, some things in here that are live, you know, from some of your favorite artists, you know, like Fleet Foxes. And I mean, I was looking through this list like you, and it was like the, the old days of uh, looking at Goldmine Magazine or Ice Magazine. Yes. And I'm, I'm highlighting yes. the things that I really want. And if you're a fan of jazz, um, Kenny Garrett uh, is amazing. And there's a, a Kenny Garrett uh, release on here that I'm really looking forward to, Vince Guaraldi. But, you know, I'm a big Beatles fan, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, there's a picture disc uh, of uh, George Harrison, you know, Wonderwall Music. Um, and then there's some other things, you know, like, like the hives, you know, I'm, there's so many things on here. If you like Wiz Khalifa, you know, there is, uh, this package of like five, seven inch vinyl singles. And, uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to sort of you know getting this thing all highlighted and then waiting there for the doors to open, uh, on Record Store Day 420. Oh, yeah. It is such a great event. And boy, the work that goes into it and how much we were talking just before we hit record, how big this has gotten. I mean, it is just, it's so gratifying to see this germ of an idea grow to just the massive event that it is and all of these fantastic releases. And I'm sure they had others they had to trim off the list. And oh, yeah. Boy, it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, it's global. It's, it's, uh, it's become this this thing. And it's uh, congratulations to the team over at Record Store Day. You, you've built a beast. Um, and the last thing I'll say on it is I, I just remember last year, I just happened to be in, in Nashville and I was visiting a store and I just noticed 
just uh, the, like they had Taylor Swift. They had a Taylor Swift title on vinyl just for record store day. So, you know, just at the very top of the music industry. So, um, congratulations again. And, uh, don't miss, uh, don't miss record store day. No. And it's such a diverse, it's just everything. No matter what genre you're interested in, there is something for you. Yeah. And on that note, Jay, it's time to wrap up the podcast. I want to thank our sponsors, Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. Big thanks to them. We couldn't do it without them. Of course, if you enjoy our show, make sure you tell one friend. Jay and I would certainly appreciate that. And on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. Jay and I will be back next week on the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.